<laughs> hey there, welcome to ATL on 29, a podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chenard, and I'm here tonight with two times the power. <laughs> I have Tyler Jones and Glenn Willis, and we're recording after an oh-so-fun game against the Knicks. Welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> welcome. Uh, thanks for having me back on, Kevin and Glenn. Uh, yeah, I'm excited, man. I've been talking to Kevin about this for a long time, man, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, too. I have a... You know, I always enjoyed uh, podcasting with Kevin, and, I, and I'm I'm happy to talk with you, Glenn, because um, you on you and Kevin on ATL twenty nine. Then when you go on a uh, Brad's pod that we're not going to talk about on here, like <laughs> always, really, like really, truly, like basketball insightful stuff. I, I'm just a fan of the team, but like you know, like the game, and it really puts stuff into perspective, and, and like like perspectives that I don't even think about. I think one of the biggest one I've been like stewing on is when you said, you know, uh, Quinn Snyder's not trying to win every game. Or, I mean, he is, but like he's trying to build this team out in a certain way. So like when there's certain lineups that I don't particularly think is going to work, I think I'm seeing your side more where it's like, it might not work today. But it's a lineup he's going to have to have. He's going to need in his in his toolbox, especially come playoff time. Like he's going to have to put, put that lineup out for a certain amount of minutes. So he has to try it in the regular season to see if it works. So like that. That's what I. That's what I heart back on, particularly with the Knicks game uh, when he went back to the starters. Because I, 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 there is something to he has to make it work with Hunter and Capella on the floor. Alongside Deion, I mean, alongside Dejounte and Trey, like yeah. that lineup, he's got to get. Like he knows it might not be his most optimal optimal lineup against a certain opponent, but he's got to be able to get to it, because more likely than not, that's what he, that's what this team's going to go with going forward. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the kind of words, and I I always enjoy your appearances. Whatever wherever you show up, man, I'm that that's at the top of my list. I. Just bring good energy and and uh, you know and I, it it like sometimes when I'm having like a day where I'm like my work my job is just like bearing me down like oh man I got a Tyler episode here it's a little bit of uh, <laughs> juice you know for me here so that's always good but you know Kevin I, I you know you don't always say so much like after the game but I want to go back to what Tyler just mentioned like the the closing lineup that Quinn went with against the Knicks like. Yeah, I haven't been able to watch any of the games live this week. I've had a crazy schedule, and and I was I was kind of prepared by a little bit of what I saw on Twitter before he even started the game. But what I saw was they they could not keep Bay from getting switched on to Brunson like yeah. forever, right? And I'm like, okay, Quinn's got to do something about this. But then what I thought I saw was the last two or three times he got switched on, he did a pretty good job. Yeah. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe Bay's kind of problem solved this here on the fly. And maybe this is an option. And then Hunter came back in. And I feel like people are kind of missing the fact that Hunter came back first. And then Trey and Jalen came back, right? Um, and and I I I had to go back and look to because we know last year, like Bay absolutely juiced the offense. So I was like, I haven't looked at the on offer. He is absolutely juicing the offense again, him and you know, he and Bogey. Um, but did, what was your feeling maybe during the game, Kevin, and then afterward around the decision to close with the lineup that he did? 
Because like I said, the, the thing that jumped out to me, and maybe what Tyler pointed out is true, like Quinn wants that lineup to work to close games. He wants to know he can rely on that lineup to close games effectively, even if it went horribly last night. What was your kind of reaction to to the Quinn's decision at that point, Kevin? I don't know that I had a visceral reaction to it in the moment. But, you know, what Tyler was just saying, it's like, okay, you've got this foursome. You've got Trey DeJounte, DeAndre, Clint. And they've just got this quandary of like, it doesn't really work with Jalen. It doesn't really work with Sadiq. They're like, they each add something to fix some of the problems, but too many of the problems still linger when they have one or the other. I, Clay, um, Trey looked absolutely defeated on offense, I thought, in the first half. Like, (laughs) when he's playing with that starting group, it's like, he he looks like he knows that if the other team scores and they have to go up against a set defense with Clint, Jalen, and DeAndre, they're dead in the water. Like our, our friend uh, Bowser to Bowser on Twitter did that video the other day of, you know, how they do mm-hmm. the five out with. And basically, you know, they've got Clint as, as sort of the elbow man in that five out doing dribble handoffs and stuff. And it just. It doesn't really work. At least it's not going to work until Trey believes in his jump shot. Uh, but when Trey is struggling with his jump shot, that dribble handoff is just so clunky. They're not getting out anything out of it. Clint doesn't have a good angle to do anything that he's comfortable with because he's coming in from the side. Trey doesn't believe in his jump shot. If Trey goes further in, there's just a mess of defenders waiting for him. And you can kind of see it with Trey. Like during the course of that game, one of the things that Trey did really well is like, these hit-ahead passes, even after made baskets, he'll get it, get it out, and then fling the thing up to DeJounte or fling it up to Bogey. And they're getting decent offense out of Trey just being a genius with some of these hit-ahead passes. But like if they don't get transition and they don't get that hit-ahead pass, when they're just coming up against a set defense, I don't think Trey really believes that he can get good offense with that group. The way he feels about his jump shot and the way he feels about that group, I I just I don't know. They they almost have a an it's, air of self defeat. You you know it's one of those things where I think I've kind of I've kind of talked about it in bits and parts where I'm like, I really want Jalen to make, take more ownership of the team that he's on. Where a lot of it is, if he gets the rebound, he's pushing it, and he feels confident in doing that. Or if it's a design play, like they they tend to run like a design play for a Congo like cut. Um, I don't I don't know what the exact play is called, but like Jalen's at the top of the key and he just makes the direct pass on Congo. He feels very confident in that, but he doesn't really feel like he has the confidence to just demand the basketball. And like to me, I think more than anything else for this starting lineup to work. Jalen has to have more usage. Like he just simply like to me, if Trey is like, I don't feel like I can generate a good look for myself. I can Trey can generate a good look for his teammates, but it's not like it's it's looks that the other team are more than the teams are more than willing to leave Jalen open in the corner, more than willing to leave Hunter open because they know they can close out the Hunter's right hand and you know bother him enough to where that advantage gets taken away. And they're comfortable with Capella if it's not a lob, though. And DeJounte, for as good as he's been as a catch-and-shoot guy, that's not what he wants to do. That's Shooting the basketball isn't DeJounte's, like, go-to move. Like, even though he's 
been a lot better at it. Like when Bogey's out there, it's it you know it's going up and teams like it just opens up everything for Trey and Trey knows it's easy. So like from my perspective, I'm, I'm like let Jalen run a bit of the offense. You know, have Trey in the corner. Like they were doing it, like they did a they they I don't I feel like they haven't done this enough. They did a lot in the preseason where Trey would be in the corner and Jalen would be the one operating the ball. And it would just be a quick dribble drive into the paint with a spaced floor, a spaced offense. Um, you know, even with Capella not not in the dunker spot, where Jalen's like just one-on-one, no pick, beat your man off the dribble, force the help, pass it to Trey in the corner. Now we're working with something, a little bit more juiced up. I, I feel like, to me, Jalen, like Jalen, he's, he's made some real strides. But like that's like his last frontier is to embrace being the quote like a a true star on the team because I I think if, if that makes sense like he Ooh. he has he like I I was really annoyed that against the Miami Heat when they were just putting Duncan Robinson on him and Jalen was just okay with that like he was just in the corner and it just made it like against the Heat Heat Hawks it just made it made it made it too easy to guard them. Like they they got away with putting Duncan Robinson on Jalen Johnson. I'm like, you know, I know what the yeah. offense is calling for. Yeah. Break yeah. the scheme. Be like, no, no, no. Give me the ball. Like, be more the guy you were before you went to Duke your freshman year. Because this is like he was a top five recruit, like borderline somebody who was in competition to be the number one overall pick in his draft class. And yeah. so, like, I I think this is it's something where. This is something that's been lost because I feel like maybe there's a loss of confidence with them and they're trying to rebuild that confidence. But like that's to me is the last step. Where it's like Jalen's got to be accountable. Like you can't just put you got to put your good perimeter, like good physical perimeter defender on him, or he's going to roast your team alive. And now Trey is like, I think I think that's the next step for this Hawks team, especially with these starters. If they're going to continue with this starting lineup, it's got to be like Jalen's got to. Jalen's got to be more than even DeJounte because DeJounte's just not as big as like Jalen's just bigger and he can he can do more like he just when he gets into his foot into the paint you see teams scrambling because there's like teams are teams don't want to get dunked on like teams don't want the big guy imposing their physicality on you in that way so that's where I feel like that might be a next step for this team I don't, I don't yeah. I'm, I'm not yeah no 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 I, I think it's a great observation i think it's a great point i i think you i think it's normal for us to watch Jalen and feel like man there's a lot more there right and that which is exactly kind of what you're what you're pointing out there and for me like i uh you know my educational backgrounds in psychology and my experience coaching and even like working in the corporate world like i see people like see executives a lot trying to change the person Right. As opposed to, you know, and, and, and for example, I think a lot of the frustration with Hunter uh, is like people want him to be a different human being than he is. He's always going to be methodical and deliberate and, you know, and those sorts of things. He's never going to be like a fast twitch attack, you know, kind of, you know, dominant kind of guy. Jalen, you can kind of see that coming out now and then right now. Right. Where it's like, oh, I've got a guy in front of me who has no business trying to like keep me off the rim or, or whatever. But you see other times where it's like, am I allowed to do this? You know, am I allowed to kind of just, you know, to be, you know, aggressive and be assertive here in this situation? And so, he, you know, he but started, he, did, he started the game against the Knicks assertive. Like he yeah. was going after Jake, Julius Randle, like to start yeah. the game. But then he just like 
he scored the first seven points, and it was like, well, I got my I got my points early. I gotta let everybody else cook. Instead of like, hey man, keep attacking. Like Julius didn't couldn't really stop him from getting to his to his spots. Like yeah, yeah, and, and then you see you see the floater. You see yeah. the pull up, you pull up at the like, and you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. But, but I think there is a thing, you know, in my experience, there is a thing to, hey, you, I am empowering you to do this, right? And here, and sometimes hearing it from your teammates is even more powerful than hearing it from your coach. That you need Trey, to hear like, from Trey. Totally. Right. And you, you've seen that happen a few times. You've seen that, like, I, you'll see, like, first two, three games, Jay will get a rebound and he would go, go, Jay, go. Right, you, you could hear Trey saying that because so, yeah, two years ago, you, Trey would say, "Hey, give me the ball." <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, Jalen, like Jaylen, you're gonna go that's my ball. Give that over here. the bitch. <laughs> right, you know. So, so it is interesting to see kind of, kind of this see this play out. But you know, going back to, Ke- to Kevin's point, like, you know, Trey is at his best when he has space, putting Bogey in one corner and Bade in another corner, and now kind of a Congo is kind of an option if you don't have both of those guys on. Right. Um, and then, you know, if AJ ever starts kind of, you know, giving Quinn, I guess, what he wants to see on defense to play enough. But when you have Clint and you have DeJounte and you, you know, and you have Jalen and Jalen's like making what half of his three pointers this year. But it's still I don't think other teams trust that he's like a shot maker they have to worry about yet. Right. But I think trade to your point, Kevin, just is really struggling with the space that comes or doesn't come with that starting group. And it's just a whole different feel. And and we've talked about Tyler. I'm, I'm curious your thought here. When you're watching that group of the Congo and Jalen and Trey, you're like, is this the future? And, you know, is this really where, and does Quinn see as the future? Does the organization see it as the future? Um, and that's, that's something I feel like I don't have a read on at all. But when you're watching that group, do you feel like that's what you're seeing, Tyler? What I find most interesting above anything because I I think I noticed it I noticed it during the Knicks game and then I saw somebody uh, I, I I forget his Twitter handle I I and I apologize but he he retweeted uh, a listing of the top two parents like or like how much how many percentage of your minutes are played with this player and like Capella and DeJounte Capella has played 97 percent of his minutes next to DeJounte Murray and not Trey Young I found that because, like, I'm pretty confident that's been like Capella has exclusively played with uh, Trey Young for the vast majority of his career here in Atlanta until this very season. So, to me, I think it's kind of it's one of those things where it's like I felt like this organization was moving more towards a Congo during the Celtics series where Quinn was able to more or less take uh, time award Robert Williams blanked on he he took Robert Williams out of out of the out of the out of the uh chessboard for uh for the Celtics because he just had a Congo spaced out and a Congo would shoot the three Robert Williams would never contest it get a wide open three a Congo was would make either one or two and then Rob like it if if you just literally if you just shoot it all of a sudden Robert's like he he can't just help off a non-shooter anymore like he was doing during the se- series, and he completely took somebody as good as Robert Williams out of that series, and it, it, it and that and the Celtics Hawks season became even to me at that point, if that makes sense. So I'm like, I feel like 
with Quinn and with this organization, they know Okongwu is like a better chess piece to use in the playoffs. But you need Capella for you need they're going to need Capella for this eighty two game stretch mm-hmm. run because of you know the lack of bench. But I, I to me, like Jalen Okongwu is just so dynamic. Like those yeah. two together, yeah. and them plus Bogey and Trey, like they are just destroying teams. So I think from from what from my feelings on it are this organization sees Jalen as a, a like true keystone next to Trey and DeJounte. And I think honestly, and I think Bogey's a part of that as well. Like Bogey's just so vital to everything this Hawks team wants to do. Um but but I I'm 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 of the I'm, and maybe I'm just biased like a is more my type of big, you know. I'm I'm not I, I'll readily admit like Capella, at least the version of Capella the Hawks have had isn't like like it's not that he he's not good or like he doesn't do what he needs to do. It's just he just I just to me he just feels so limited now. Like I I, I do I I've always felt like since really since the, these foot injuries, like he's just more the athleticism that he used to have is just like not there offensively in particular, where he's just not getting on top of guys. Like, like if, if you watch the Houston, like the Houston Rockets, Capella was just a, like, that was a guy approaching like top 20 routinely, you know, top 20 in the NBA, entire NBA, like routinely for the, for those Rockets teams that were title contenders. Like, and like, we've only gotten like a year of that from Capella. And like, he just, he's just getting over. Like, and that's just, that's just the reality of the league. And, and so I, I'm, I'm of the mind, like, Yes, I I think it is just because Trey's playing more side of Congo. But that could more be about Trey's lack of a jumper and, and Quinn trying to get Trey going with a more spacey lineup with a Congo. That's it. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Kevin, you watch him play live. Like, you know, um, do, do you feel like some nights Clint looks a little like he feels a little better and other nights, whether it's the second night of back-to-back or whatever it is, do you feel like it's kind of an up-and-down thing with his – athleticism speed or whatever it is or what do you feel like you're seeing in, in him in that way i i don't want to speculate on is he hurt or what we know he's he's kind of constantly working through things like a lot of big men at his, the point in the career he is right but what do you what do you feel like you're seeing there i mean uh, from, from what i'm seeing it just feels like maybe he's he's starting slow for like the first couple of minutes like he doesn't like even just watching him in warmups, I just feel like he's kind of he's pacing, himself. pacing himself a little bit at the beginning of games. But you know, to me, the thing is, like, I, you know, I've spoken to Clint and I asked him, like, you know, once it was clear what they were going to do on defense this year, I asked him about the defense, and it almost felt like he was brushing me off, like, yeah, 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 all oh, that, like, you know, like it wasn't really necessarily his favorite thing, and it it. it what, it really brought to my eyes what what I'm seeing, which is like everything that Quinn has done on offense, on defense, and rotation-wise, to me says, yeah, we didn't really plan for Clint. Like nothing about what they're doing is for Clint. Everything that they've done this semester, all right, semester, I'm a freak. <laughs> everything they've done this season has been about What's it going to look like with a Kongwu? This whole show defense, that's for a Kongwu. The five-out offense, that's for a Kongwu. The rotation where Trey comes out early and comes back and plays with the bench, that's to get him minutes 
Trey and a Kongwu together. And it's like everything they do is for Kongwu, uh, who's been, you know, okay. It's not like he's been a resounding success, but it's just like, it's very clear, I think, what they're aiming to do with their future. And I don't believe that future includes Clint. If you just look at the actual basketball product. I know everybody's like trade Clint to the Clippers, trade Clint to the Grizzlies. And there are and there are teams that like were taking themselves seriously at the start of the season that have uh, issues there, right? Now it's it's, a, it's hard to make the money work, and it depends on every you know all that situation and stuff. But but uh, to me, it's like the the part of a Kongu's game that is concerning, and I think it's a part of how how far he's getting up the floor, which which he has the natural ability to do. This, he's he's regress from a foul standpoint. He's fouling all the time, right? And I don't know if it's the timing of getting back because you you get up the floor, you show you're supposed to recover back to your guy, right? And if that's not navigated well, and the, the ball handler starts you know attacking a seam or whatever before he gets back, then he's his timing is way off. So if it feels like there's it's a timing thing, I think, uh, but that's that's a that's an issue that they're going to have to solve. And part and part of me is like. I don't know what you think, Tyler, but like, well, just make him the starter and let him get all the reps. And like, yeah, you know, exactly. you know, is that the thing? Like, is it just time to kind of pull the trigger and, and you know, do that? Does it does it cap does it cap Capella's trade? Like last year, I was sure can't do that. If you're gonna trade Capella in the offseason, you gotta have him a starter the whole season. Right. And plus they were on track for playing anyway. So you weren't gonna like make some big move like that. But I but if uh Congo's development is becoming more and more of a priority. How do they navigate that position this whole season without a? I, I, I'm just I don't know that I know the answer. I'm just curious about it. To me, if it like to me, because I, I I'm I'm agreeing with you guys about a Congo. Like it's not like he's been spectacular, but if I'm going to, de- I will defend him for a bit. A Congo's not a 20 minute player anymore. Like how is how is a Congo supposed to get his rhythm and his timing? If he's only got 20 minutes to do it in a like in a basketball game, like this is this is a guy who this is a guy you want playing 30, 35 minutes a night in the playoffs. Like that's the I'm I'm just the prototype of big that he is. He's a guy who's got it like especially at his size, where he has to figure out okay what can I get away with, you know, on, on like on certain stuff. Like it, there's just there's certain actions like like I I, I wouldn't see the Hawks. Al Horford, just going back all these years, at 23 years old, playing 20 minutes a night to a good – because a, a, a good big man of his – like of a good starter quality big plus starter quality big is ahead of him, but he's like 28, 29 years old. I, I, I don't see how Al Horford would be the Al Horford that he was for those Hawks teams playing 20 minutes a night. Like how can a Congo, how can a Congo affect the game with his shooting? If he only has 20 minutes, do it. he's not a he's not he's never going to be a Porzingis like bomber. But you get him like to me, I'm like I'm I'm watch I'm watching Mitchell Robinson. I'm like, man, if you could just have a Kongu out there on, on the floor, at least on offense, space him in the corner, completely take Mitchell Robinson out of the game of defensively. Just take him out, and if he if he's not going to defend him, we'll, we we want a Kongu shooting that corner three. He looks good doing it. He's shooting like eighty what like ninety percent from the free throw line right now, like. His jumper is immaculate. His, his touch is crazy. Yeah. I, 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 to me, I'm like, but you're not going to get those reps if you're only playing 20 minutes. Like, you, you'll get one possession where that happens, maybe two. And then, like, you know, 
a coach will scheme around that. They'll get their backup big who, who who's more willing to go out there further and take that away. Yeah, you know, yeah, just... and he also and he also faces the other backup big who's going to play eighteen minutes, and it's like, I'll take my five fouls in eighteen minutes and just push Chicago around, <laughs> push him around. Right. Like that yeah. happens. Yeah, a Congo has a like a has got a very high free throw rate currently, even though he's playing, but he's playing so little minutes. Like, like I'm like, this is one of those things where you have to be you as an organ. Like to me, I'm like, and this has been true for a couple of years now, but it's really true now. Where it's like, you gotta take the risk, you know. You gotta be if you if because it's not that the Hawks aren't a good team, but if you want to be better than just what what they've currently been, which is like ninth best team in the NBA by net rating. If you want to push to contender status, you got you got to give a combo a longer leash than 20 minutes. I, I'm sorry. Like that's just and, and and it's more than just 26, like 26, 24 split, like evenly split the minutes. I understand the theory and I and I argued this with Brad about the 48 minute thing. Like well, the Hawks get 48 minutes of good center play, but I'm like but when you rather have 33 minutes of elite center play plus 15, 14 minutes of like just energy big who's just going to go out there and like, you know, be an energy guy, like be a, a what Bruno could potentially be for the team. I'm not I'm not saying like Capella. I'm not saying Capella is bad. I'm just like to me, I'm like. The upside is with a Congo and everything points towards this team is going in this direction. Why not just do that? Especially if for no other reason, Trey kind of needs that more now more than ever, especially with it, especially since you guys pivoted from the herder, from herders shooting. Like, and you're not going to start bogey elects to Trey. You got to do something different to get the spacing that, that Trey needs to really excel, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And and it's interesting because you know, you, you mentioned Bruno and the 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 Congo template, if I can use that right, Bruno fits that to a back to a backup level, right? Not a starter level, right? But he can do that 16 minutes a game, right? And you know, he's not gonna he's not gonna be a shot maker, he doesn't have the same touch, but the DHO, the fluidity, the getting way up the floor, recovering, good communication, good organ like so they, you know, if if and when they want to consider that, and I I I appreciate Clint's rebounding. I appreciate his organization. I, I appreciate his rim protection. This is not about me wanting to brush Clint aside. This is me contemplating where are they organizationally, like how close are they to feeling like there's a decision point like soon or January or what. I'm I'm just curious where their head is on this because it look it, it's looked like it's becoming obvious where they're invested how they're invested who that's for and it's just like okay what is the setting up for and when is when is a change maybe gonna happen that's a very fascinating thing for me glenn don't you feel that with the improved defense we're getting from both Dejounte and deandre like out on the perimeter in space as one like as point of attack defenders that the hawks would be a better defensive team right now if they were like we're going pure drop going to old style pure drop capella you do what you do best. Stay in the lane. Be the big guy. I get every defensive rebound, and you guys got to fight through screens, which, which what they have been doing, you know, to start this season. Like I, I've been really impressed with Dejounte's defense. I, I don't know how he rates 
compared to the he's rest getting, of the league. He, yeah, he's getting in a stance. He wasn't doing that yep. last year. He's fighting That's over not. screens. He wasn't doing right. And so, and if, and if Clint's listening, like he's giving you a standing ovation right now because I have no doubt he wants to get back to the drop coverage. The key for me is, it, and I know Hawks fans may not want to hear this, but Jalen's screen navigation is pretty bad right now. Now he needs reps. Like he had, he, Nate never had him defending on ball, so it's it's not. I'm not saying Jalen can't do it. Jalen, Jalen figures things out pretty quickly, but he's had I don't know a hundred reps working over screen. Is I don't know what the number is, but it's not a lot, right? And then and then I think you know you know you worry about bogey and base screen that. So so there there you could present other problems there. Yeah, I do okay. think I think when you I think. An option could be when you have Bogey and DeJounte on, right? Maybe a drop is an option. And then when you have different personnel on, you're you're using that aggressive kind of get to the level. Um, and that's that's an interesting thing for me. But I think when Jalen kind of um, figures out that screen navigation, it really does give them more versatility that they don't have right now. And I don't put it past Jalen to figure out two months if he gets to do a lot, you know. I'll just say I, I feel like the reason why they're not they're not doing a drop with Clint on the floor and then playing a different scheme with a combo is like as a team, this is the type of defense they're going to have to play. If they're going to win in the playoffs yep. drops, just, just based on the personnel they have drop defense, they're just not going to get the defense they need from drop coverage from their perimeter players. They don't have the drop. Drew holiday, unfortunately is not on the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, you know, they don't have a Dylan Wright on this team. They don't have Even a Alex, Anthony Melton or whoever, right? You know, a, a Alex Dylan, Caruso. Or, or, Alex you know, Caruso. Now that, like, that could change, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like they don't have a true like number one point of attack, absolute hound who will just cause havoc, a Herb Jones type perimeter defender on this team to really make drop coverage be as, as good as it could be. This is the scheme they have to put like this is the scheme that, that can beat the like this is a scheme you got to play to beat the Celtics. Like you're not going to do it with drop. It's just they, they, they'll shoot, they'll shoot Capella out the game. They'll shoot a Congo out the game. They'll, they'll shoot him off the floor. Yeah. And, exactly. and, but here's the funny thing: like coaches are smart. They're like, do I want to sh- shoot Capella off the floor? Yeah. <laughs> or do I want to like a slow kind of you know kind of effect there where you're like because sometimes sometimes coaches don't want to force that thing that. Uh, kind of gives away the advantage they have. They want to kind of play that slowly and then maybe have that show up in the third quarter or something like that. Coaches are like very careful about like, like, you know, I want to like from whatever number of years ago, I want to play Steven Adams off the floor. It's like, do I really want to play Steven Adams off the floor? Or Ennis Cantor is even the better example, right? Mm-hmm. Like Ennis Cantor has played 20 minutes on the second. He's like, don't go at him too hard because <laughs> yeah. I don't want him to take it out of the rotation, right? It's an interesting thing to to, to kind of deal with. Um, I just wanted to add two things about the defense because I agree with you that you know the the defense has its strengths. Like it plays to what you need for Trey and Dejounte to be on the floor defensively. It 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 gives uh you know it, it's what you want to use against Boston in the playoffs. It's it's good for the sides of DeAndre Hunter's knees when he's not constantly trying to grind himself over a screen. But you know, I thought. And I think it's something to consider. You know, I, I think the various styles of defense that you play require different amounts of energy. And this kind of a show defense that they're playing, I think it requires a lot more energy than, say, switching or drop. 
it requires you to go across the floor a number of times. You're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, you know, I you said at the top of the whole podcast, I don't think Quinn is coaching necessarily for wins right now. Like, he's trying to get this defense in. And they just yeah. play this defense. Like, how often have they not played this defense? Did they switch it a little bit at the at the end of the Timberwolves game, maybe? But other than that, they're just in it. And maybe there was a couple of flashes of zone. They've, they've really gone 48 minutes of this style for the majority of their games. And even in the others, you know, it was the thing that they used for the vast majority of the game on a back-to-back like they had this week, that's rough. You know, I expect guys to be a little bit low energy at at the end of that second game. Like maybe they were against New York like that. That's going to take some adjustment and some getting used to, I think. And I do think that further down the line this season, they're going to make things a little friendlier for Clint. They're going to do some drop when drop is appropriate and Clint will be more comfortable and he'll look better at that point. But right now, they're just not really setting him personally up for success. And, and that's got to be hard for him. Like, I don't, it's hard to fault Clint and say, wow, Clint's having a rough go of it because they're just, you know, they're not setting things up for him. And I think they will. But right now, like you said, Quinn is not coaching to win. He's coaching to get his system in there. And right now, he wants to just hammer this defense in until it's second nature with his players. Yeah, more than. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, and the in the process is good. Like they're they're staying on task. Yeah. Their problem problems. Yeah. Right. So so that's yeah. still good, right? I, I just have to say though, this this thing about Clint, I thought it was hilarious that the so in Mexico, like in Mexico City, right? Adam Silver gave a, a, a had a an availability or whatever, and said we got to get more analysts kind of on TV and stuff like that. And then I'm watching on NBA TV because oh. that's where I, that's what I had to watch because of where I live. Yeah. The Orlando broadcast is like Clint Capella and Anyaka Kagu were not blocking shots this year. What is going on? And I'm like, they're up the floor all the time. Like, yeah. and I just thought it was hilarious that like Adam Silver said we need more of that. And then I'm watching this broadcast. It's like you guys really don't know why they're not blocking shots. I thought it was just it was inter- it was an entertaining part of that game. But I think that because I, I I listened to um the dunker spot with uh, Nakias and uh Nakias and Steve yeah. Jones. Yeah. I listened to them and I, I think something that they, they talk about, they talked about was like the rotations behind them. Like yeah. it, the, the rotations is something like defensive rotations, them communicating. This high this high antic scheme is forcing the, them to talk to each other. It's not something they like to do. The last three or four years, it's literally Collins and Capella. Telling everybody what what's happening, what they need to do, exactly. and like the other guys are just like they're just receptacles. They're not, they're not, they're not active participants in the defense. Now it's forcing because he what he wants is five guys on a string, regardless of the scheme we're playing. So if I got to play this, if I got to get twenty nine year old Clint Capella with the bad Achilles tendon or whatever he's got, I'm pretty sure he's fine. I'm just, I'm just, but like he know, he knows, he knows Capella's better in drop. Like he, they got spectrum. You, they, they know what the numbers. <laughs> as a rim protector in a drop coverage scheme, like that's good defense automatically. But he's like, I gotta get Jalen Johnson, my 22, 20, whatever he is, old, you know, third year player, to take ownership of the team. I gotta get Trey Young to not be a passenger anymore. I can't have Trey. Not talking, telling guys, hey, my man's going up for a screen. We got to switch this so I'm not in the play. You know, 
like yeah. against the Knicks to close the game, there were a couple times was like DeAndre Trey, hey, you know they're gonna screen for my guy. Switch yeah. that early. Who cares if if I'm now guarding Josh Hart or whoever? Like, and if Josh Hart's setting the screen, he's a worse three point shooter. We we'll live with that result, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's you know, yeah there was that there was that one possession where he was on uh, quickly and quickly moved to Brunson's left and and was going to set that guard guard screen near the left three point break and Trey was like uh uh-uh, uh DJ you got him and because Trey knew if he got on that side of the floor it was over right because Brunson wants that guard guard screen going to his left and they were and that's what eventually led to uh I, I remember which play it was but um but Trey was definitely trying to stay out of that area of the floor um you know the the hunter stuff at the end you know I, I people are going to be disappointed if I don't talk about it. See, this is like 30 seconds. Like the three pointer bad. Right. But if you go watch that whole play, he was really stressed out about where Mitchell Robinson was. And if Clint needed help from him on Mitchell Robinson, that's what started. Is that, is that an excuse for him losing his man? No, but it was a factor. Then on the jumper that the Jalen, the Brunson hit in the middle of the floor, he and Trey navigated Trey's show coverage terribly. And Hunter was late getting in front of him. And that's that's so so you know people are kind of roasting. Should Hunter still have challenged that shot more? I think all of us would say, yeah, we wish he would have got a better contest there, right? But there are there are stuff happening in real time that's going fast, and the and, and so you know, uh, you know, Hunter could have made more of an impact in the fourth quarter, no doubt about it. But there's a lot going on, and I just feel like sometimes that gets missed in the the immediate kind of backlash on on Twitter, right? They need Hunter to be better than he was in that game. They need Hunter to be better than he was in that fourth quarter, but there's other people that are contributing to that too. I, I just think um, with Hunter, like with Hunter with me, it, I'm too, I, I know I'm too hard on him on Twitter, but like it's, it's less about, like I, I was replying to you. Um, yeah. It's less about him in the individual game and more about just what he's not bringing to the team in relation to other players. Like it, and it's not even necessarily his fault in particular, but like, it, it, it's, a, it's a weird fit. It's a weird fit, right? It's just, it's just not the best fit. Like I, Hunter would be a better player. On team. Yeah. On, on defense. I think it's pretty good. You know, I think it can work on offense. It, it becomes problematic. So yeah. yeah. Good to have you on Tyler. Appreciate do you, it, man. Do you know our farewell? Yeah, good night, Bob. Good night, Bob. Good night, Bob.